Two balls and two strikes on him. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. As Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning. And the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in Hello your life. Hello and welcome to episode two of Touch Em All, a baseball analytics podcast. This is the official podcast of touchemallanalytics.com. My name is Caleb Whittemore. I am your host. I am also the founder and editor overall at Touch Em All Analytics. Uh, today on the Derek Jeter episode of the podcast, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, this week's metric. Just like usual, we're going to go over UZR, which is a defensive metric and how it compares to errors. And we're also going to look at some current events in baseball by breaking down some of the top trades at the deadline. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than normal. Uh, I know I said I was going to do about a podcast a week. It's been a little longer. Unfortunately, I had a couple of things come up. Couldn't quite get this one done in the matter I would have liked. Uh, but I'm here now, so I'm going to try to make up for a little lost time by giving you guys a little more content today. So like I said, today we're going to look at UZR. That stands for Ultimate Zone Rating. It is one of the most uh, widely used and public available uh, defensive statistics out there right now. Um, I think it paints the best picture of anything possible. Uh, but before we can really get into what UZR does, I want to look at um, the old defensive statistic that everybody uses, which is errors. So anyone who's, who's watched baseball probably knows about errors. It's a pretty simple concept. Essentially what it calculates is every time the scorekeeper thinks that the position player made a mistake and didn't make the play that he should, ha should have, it counts as an error. Um, then that generates some things like fielding percentage, so how, what percentage of the time you make errors compared to the amount of overall opportunities you have, stuff like that. Uh, there are some problems, in my opinion, to errors. One, it doesn't take into effect uh, things like speed. So if you're too slow to get to the ball, it's not an error, obviously, because you're not there. You can't make the play, so you can't make a mistake on the play. Uh, also, it doesn't take into effect different positions. So for example, first basemen's usually have way better fielding percentage and way less errors than anyone else because, you know, not to dish on first basemen, but most of what they're doing is just catching a ball, getting thrown straight at them. It's not real tough. Usually you hide bad defenders there. Um, so they could have a better fielding percentage and in turn look better than like a shortstop or a center fielder, which is really important. Um, so. I like to use UZR instead. Like I said, very it's becoming a very widely used statistic. It is one of the only high-end defensive statistics that is available publicly. Essentially, what UZR does is it takes uh, your run value of defense um, and essentially calculates how many runs a player is saving through their defensive efforts and compares that to average. Uh, so it shows your fielding prowess or lack thereof compared to, you know, the average MLB player. Uh, there is four major components uh, that I'll break down to UZR. First one is outfield arm runs. Uh, so essentially what that means is it's the amount of runs above average, you know, or below average, that an outfielder saves with their arm. Uh, for example, a guy like Yasiel Puig, you know, more a couple of years ago than now, unfortunately, but Yasiel Puig may save extra runs because of his cannon or a guy like Aaron Judge 
might have um, save a few more runs than average by throwing guys out at the plate or a second trying to stretch, stretch a single into a double, uh, what have you. Uh, the second thing is d double play runs. Uh, so that is calculating an in a middle infielder usually, but just an infielder in general, and their ability to turn double plays compared to average. The third aspect is range runs. So like I was saying earlier, this puts speed into effect where errors do not. So a fast player who is, you know, getting to a ball in the outfield or, you know, a blooper over the infield or whatever is, is going to look better than a guy who doesn't get there. Even if they don't make the play, they make a play on the ball or whatever, it's going to help them. Um, where in the past that would hurt them and the player that couldn't get there in the first place, it wouldn't affect. And then the last thing is error run. So it does still use errors to calculate, uh, but it compares them to other players in their position. So, you know, a shortstop is going to be compared to the amount of errors other shortstops make, not the amount of errors like a first baseman makes or something like that, because that just doesn't make sense. There's a lot of different school skills and a lot of different challenges um, associated with those positions. Uh, so the way it's kind of calculated uh, is it goes from zero is average. It goes all the way up to, you know, over 15 would be gold glove, you know, under negative 15 would be awful. Um, so like 10 to 15 would be great. Uh, 5 to 10 would be above average. And kind of the 0, or like the negative 4 to the positive 4 is kind of the average scale. Um, the other thing you can do that we're going to look at with UZR is it's called UZR by 150. It's a pretty simple concept. Essentially it takes a player's UZR or ultimate zone rating and calculates it as if they've played 150 games. So if you're trying to compare a player who's played 90 with a player who's played 130 games, it comes out the same. Uh, makes sense. You want to be able to compare with these stats. That's their whole purpose. So real quickly before we move on, I'm just going to kind of go over some of the top players in UZR this season. Number one is Colton Wong. That did surprise me a little bit. He's a good defender. Just as a baseball fan, I probably wouldn't have just thought, oh, incredible defender, but, you know, the statistic does say it. It makes sense. Uh, number two is Anderson Simmons, one of my favorite players in all of baseball. Um, undoubtedly the best defensive shortstop in the game. Uh, third is Mookie Betts, incredible. Uh, also in the top ten guys like Matt Chapman, Jose Iglesias, Aaron Judge, Alex Gordon. These are all very solid defenders. Lorenzo Cain. Um, there was one guy that kind of surprised me, um, and that'd be Kyle Schwarber. He came in at 10th. Um, you know, you've, I've read a lot this year that his defense has really improved. Uh, he's always been a bat-first guy, but I, I didn't realize it has improved that much. He did cut a lot of weight. He has gotten faster. Um, it was good for him. A guy coming in at 11th, Jackie Bradley, um, living in Boston, following you know some Boston sports. I watched Jackie Bradley a lot. He is very good. Um, I think I agree with where he's at. A lot of people try to, you know, claim you know, best defender in the game, all these these kind of titles on him. But what Jackie doesn't have is speed. Uh, he gets a great jump on the ball, a great first step, good glove, very good arm for center field, but he doesn't have great speed. So some of these incredible plays that he's making, you know, it, it's a lot of times a, a play that a faster center fielder would make easily. Or he might not get to a ball that another center fielder would. So I do like him kind of at 11. He's still elite, but not in that top three or four. That makes sense. So that's going to wrap it up for our statistic for the week. If you have any other questions or 
on that part or if you want me to go into more detail next time or any other comments on, on the statistic, please feel free to reach out to me on social media or you know email, contact me through the website. So for the second section of the podcast, we're going to go over current events. What we're going to look at is the trades that happened right before or leading up to the deadline. Now the deadline was a few days ago, uh, but we're, I'm going to kind of break down the different players um, in each trade, including the prospects, some of the guys that if you just you know read on or heard on Sports Center, you probably wouldn't hear a lot about them. Um, but I'm going to kind of give you guys that information now. So the first uh, kind of pair of trades we're actually going to look at is the Brewers' uh, acquisition of Jonathan Scope and Mike Moustakas. And Scope coming from the Orioles and Moustakas from the Royals. Uh, so first we'll look at the guys they gave up. So to the Orioles, they gave up infielder Jonathan Vilar and then two minor leaguers in shortstop Gene Kamana and Luis Ortiz. Uh, so Jonathan Vilar, you know, not a bad player. He's currently used just over, you know, Three years of service time, he'll be past four years coming into next season. Uh, he'll be a free agent in 2021, so they have some good control over him. Obviously, uh, the Orioles are rebuilding, so that's a player they'll value. Plays second, short, third. There's no most as a shortstop, but he's pretty versatile. Solid player, just below average hitter. He can play some defense. Not going to hurt you or help you much either way. Definitely an above Average player with a 1.7 war this year. The second player the Brewers gave up to the Orioles was Luis Ortiz. Uh, Luis Ortiz is, gonna, is a solid prospect. Uh, he is ranked 8th now in the Orioles system. He's a pitcher, plus fastball, which you know is above above average, plus slider, uh, average curveball, average changeup, you know, solid command. He's slated in to be right around, you know, kind of a 4-5 a starter, maybe a, a Late bullpen guy. Currently in AAA with the Brewers before he got moved. He had started 11 of his 16 games, throwing about 68 um, innings. He's not throwing a lot of innings. They may be looking to try to move him to the bullpen. He's got a 3.71 ERA. He's throwing solid, not walking a whole lot of guys. Uh, Striking out 8 per 9 inning, which is good. Um, Allowing under a home run in 9 per 9, which is good. So... Overall solid player, not a crazy prospect, but he, he could definitely make a contribution for a while at only 22 years old. So Gene Camaro is the last guy they gave the, the Brewers gave up to the Orioles. Uh, he's a little bit lower on their rank. He's ranked 15th in the system. Slotted to be a below average player. Middle infielder, kind of going to be probably a bench utility type projection. And probably not much more than that. He has struggled uh, as of late, for sure, in the minors. Uh, his first year, when he first got to rookie ball, he tore out the cover off the ball for a little bit. They promoted and moved him up a little bit. Uh, ever since, he's really struggled. He's currently uh, hitting under 200 at all levels so far this year. So definitely needs to work some things out. Now let's look at the players that the Brewers gave up to the Royals. So they gave up minor league outfielder Brett Phillips and minor league right-handed pitcher Jorge Lopez. Brett Phillips is going to be another solid guy, uh, a guy I'm okay with them giving up. Really, all of these prospects they gave up are guys I'm okay with them giving up. It's another guy that's going to be a slightly below average big leaguer projection, uh, ranked 12th in the Royal system now. Really good arm, you know, Hall of Fame caliber arm. Above average fielder, above average speed, above average raw power. Uh, definitely, he's below average hitter. So it's kind of that, you know, four solid tools kind of guy. 
I'd almost maybe compare him to a, a Yasiel Pui kind of guy, or even like a Jackie, more like a Jackie Bradley Jr. kind of guy. Uh, really good defender, uh, has some raw power in there, ha- doesn't really have a great hit tool though. In 300 plate appearances with the Brewers in AAA before he got traded, he's hitting 240. Uh, he's got a WRC plus of 92, so just below average for the level. Uh, hasn't hit a ton of home runs. Last year, he, he kind of channeled his power hitting 20 home runs in AAA. Hasn't quite done that this year, but still definitely has some projection. Only 24, he's already in AAA, so he's right around average age for the league. Um, should be called up soon, I believe. He'll be a, a call-up very quickly for this team. And Jorge Lopez was the, uh, the last uh, minor leaguer sent out by the Brewers uh, in these trades. He's definitely, I think, the most underwhelming of all of them. Future grade of well below average. He's the 25th ranked player in the Royal system now after being traded. 25-year-old pitcher, six foot three, righty guy, pretty skinny. He's got an above average fastball and curveball, average changeup with pretty below average command. He's definitely gonna need to figure out his command issues if he wants to get anywhere. I do think he could become a, a real solid middle inning type of guy if he can get his command down with his you know, plus fastball, a good secondary offering and an average third offering. You could probably not have to throw the change up very much, just go fastball curve in a bullpen roll. With the Brewers in AAA uh, this year before he got traded, he appeared in 24 games throwing 28.2 innings pitch. So, you know, like I said, pretty much just a relief profile, striking out seven per nine, walking three per nine. He's giving up a lot of ground balls. Um, 62% uh, ground ball percentage which is very good. His ERA is up there at 5.65%. So, you know, nothing too flashy. Getting decent results for the AAA level, but definitely is going to need to improve before he sees a call-up. So now let's look at the two players acquired uh, for the Brewers. Those would be Jonathan Scope and Mike Moustakas. Both guys I really like. It does pose some interesting issues for them, which we'll go over in a minute. But first, let's just go over the two players separately. Uh, so Scope's definitely having a down year. Uh, OPS plus only 87. His career rate actually at 9,900 or so. So his career average hitter, he's you know 13% below average right now. So he's got to pick that up. Still an above average player. He's a good defender. Will help them out. They definitely think that he can improve and get back to the way he was in the last couple of years where he was tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, and they do have him controlled for next season as well. He's not a free agent until 2020, uh, so that'll definitely help. So like I said, he's a second baseman. They also acquired Mike Moustakas, the third baseman. Uh, Mike Moustakas is definitely a rental player. Uh, he does have a two-way option at the end of the year. Not going to get signed. Most likely those options almost never happen. He's hitting really well this year. OPS plus of 109, so above average. Has 22 home runs is going to get over that 30 home run marker most likely. 307 on base percentage, uh, 466 slugging. Real solid player, two plus war guy. Definitely going to get paid better next year. I could see him getting in the $10 million range next year. So definitely more of just a run for this year kind of guy. The interesting thing is they also had Travis Shaw, who they like. He has struggled a little bit this year, but he's a raw power guy. Uh, he's not a great defender. He's going to hit home runs. Needs to get playing time. So the speculation and kind of what, what's come out from their camp is they already had moved Shaw to second when Mustakas got traded for. So now they have 
shot second, scoped a pretty much only second base guy. And apparently they're going to move him to shortstop. So he did play some shortstop in the minors. That was years ago. Got about 150 games there between a couple of seasons. You know, and that was in the past. You know, he hasn't played there in the majors. So we'll see how that works out. They're definitely looking for a just kind of let's rake approach. We'll make up for our below average defense with offense, which can work. Uh, we'll see what happens. I definitely think it's an intriguing thing to watch if you're a fan of September baseball, that's definitely something you're going to want to watch is how they manage that going forward. So the next trade we're going to look over is the Pirates acquiring Chris Archer. So the Pirates sent Austin Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, and a player to be named later to the Rays for, like I said, Chris Archer. Archer is a very good player. He signed through 2019 currently, but has a 2021 team option, so he, he could be there for a little bit. Definitely a, a little bit of a controlled player, so they have him for another year after this. It's been solid this year. Not his normal self with a 4-4 ERA. He's average of a, a 3-7 ERA. Just barely above zero war, so uh, not great, uh, not horrible. Uh, but they're, again, another guy they're confident like Scope who's going to turn it around and be able to be something for them down the stretch. So let's look at the two guys that the Pirates gave up and sent to the race. First would be Austin Meadows. Um, Meadows is a, is a solid guy. I really like him. He's now the second-ranked guy in the organization. Uh, average MLB projection, you know, kind of above-average raw power with slightly below-average in-game power. Projects to have a above-average hit tool, above-average speed, uh, average fielder. Does have a below-average arm, so as an outfielder, he's probably going to be a left-field type guy. He'd be a real good defender for the left-field, I think, uh, if he can get that hit tool up, maybe hack into some more of that raw power. He could be a, a good left fielder for them for a long time. Uh, he is only 23 in AAA. Definitely has a little bit of work to go, but I also think he will he should get a September call-up. Could be a full-time guy on their roster next year. So good overall pickup. The second guy they took was Tyler Gl Glasnow. Tyler does have some MLB experience, still considered a prospect at this time. He's a guy who projects to be an above-average major leaguer. As a pitcher, he's got an above-average fastball, above-average curve, slightly below-average change, and slightly below-average command. So he does need to kind of work up um, that command. He's probably going to be a guy who ends up as a, I, I would say, kind of a high-stress role, whether that's an eighth-inning setup guy or a closer, uh, where he does have a couple of lead offerings, um, maybe not enough offerings to see guys more than once. Uh, in a game, though, Glasnow is currently being held to about two innings uh, in appearance. He has 36 appearances with 63 innings pitched so far, striking out 12 guys per nine. So it's really good. Uh, walking five, probably wants to get that down a little, and is giving up a home run per nine. ERA is up uh, this year from, from his past. He does need to get that down. Uh, but his batting average and balls in play is also pretty high. So, you know, that could just be some bad luck as of right now. So that wraps up that trade. I really like... It for both sides. Pirates get a guy in Chris Archer, who I think is a above average pitcher in the MLB. He's having a tough year. He's going to bounce back, in my opinion. The Rays weren't going to use him. They're not in contention right now, but they get a couple pretty good prospects uh, who will hold significant roles on their team for a long time. I think that's going to be important to them in the future. The next trade we're going to look at is the Dodgers' acquisition of Brian. Dozier to fill in a second base. They acquired him from the Twins in exchange for Logan Forsythe, who's a major league infielder, kind of utility kind of guy, and then minor leaguers 
Outfield slash first base guy Luke Rayleigh and minor league right-handed pitcher Devin Smeltzer. Uh, so first, we're going to look at Dozier. Uh, headed over to the Dodgers. He's having a solid season, above average OPS plus at 101. Uh, it is below for his standards. He's getting up there a little bit at age 31. He is a free agent um, heading into this offseason. So for the Dodgers, he's probably just a rental. I wouldn't expect him back for next year, but he does have a 1.7 war so far this year. He is really contributing to wins. Definitely a good pickup as they've had some injury issues. Uh, so they did send away a couple of guys, first being Logan Forsythe. Forsyth is another guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Probably more just a way to make the salaries match than anything else. Headed to the Twins, you know, not really in contention at this point. Uh, he has been below average player this year. Has had a good career. I'm sure he will still get signed. Only He's only 31 and he can play a lot of positions. You know, The whole infield, not really a shortstop, but can definitely play first, second, third, some left field if needed. All around good guy to have on your bench. Not going to be a starter or a star by any chance. Now, like I said, they also uh, sent out Luke uh, Rayleigh to the Twins. Uh, Rayleigh's a solid guy. First baseman, 23 years old, currently in double-A. Was hitting 275 with 17 home runs in half a season with the Dodgers in double-A before getting moved. Uh, so some decent power. Not a crazy prospect um, by any means, but a guy who could fill in for them, you know, be a high minor league depth option most likely. And then Devin Smeltzer, lefty pitcher, 6'3". He's long, projects to be kind of a spot start, long relief profile, not going to be a high octane guy, below average fastball, uh, average slider, above average curve, kind of average change up in command. Four pitch mix, none of them great, but he can definitely get some guys out. I believe he will find the, his way into the majors. He is still only 22 with the Twins. He is only 22 with the Dodgers and 83 innings pitched this year. He started about half his games, striking out 7.2 guys per nine innings with an ERA right around 4.7. Definitely needs to get that down. But, you know, ERA is not a number I really like anyway, and especially in the minors. I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think he'll be another guy who can uh, contribute for that team. Whether that's in like a AAA majors flex role where he's coming up filling for guys who need a spot star or DL transactions, whatever that may be, I think he will provide value for the Twins in the future. Another trade we're going to look at, this one actually really intrigued me, was the Rays acquiring Tommy Pham. So the Rays, like I said, got Tommy Pham for outfielders Justin Williams and left-handed pitcher Genesis Cabrera. Uh, and right-handed pitcher Roel Ramirez, and all, all headed to the Cardinals. Tommy Pham is an interesting guy for them especially. He's an older guy. He's 31, but he only has, he'll have three years of service time going into the year, so he has another three years of team control. Won't be a free agent until 2022. He has had a good season, but he's just on the back end of his prime, at least. Uh, does have the three years of control, but He's going to be out of the league at this point by the time they're ready to contend, looking like they're going into a full rebuild. So he is weird for the Rays. I do like him as a player, though. I'll definitely make sure to watch some Rays games just to see him. He intrigues me. He's kind of an interesting guy. So like I said, they acquired three guys in that deal, first being Justin Williams, a 22-year-old outfielder currently in AAA, a solid player. For the minors, more of a depth guy, not really considered a prospect at this point. In 386 plate appearances with the Rays in AAA, he hit 258 with a 95 WRC+, plus, so slightly below average hitter uh, in the minors. Currently, he is a little young for the level, so that, that could make sense. Genesis Cabrera, 
a six foot one lefty pitcher, uh, headed to the Cardinals. Solid guy, gonna be another you know below average spot start kind of pitcher. So a lot of those kind of uh, fringe AAA MLB guys traded at this deadline. Not a lot of high octane minor leaguers. Um, just the way baseball is going, these rentals are not getting quite as much of a payout as they used to. So Cabrera is looks like another three pitch guy, above average fastball, below average slider, and change up with below average command. Not a guy who's probably going to stick in the majors long term, but like I said, could contribute. And then Roel Ramirez. Um, not really a prospect, more just to throw in. Double-A pitcher. He's 23 years old. Righty. In 26 games with the Rays, he had a 3-3-2 ERA. He was striking out 10 per 9 innings, which is good. But like I said, doesn't have a lot of projection. Not really seen as a prospect to most people. But, you know, could surprise. You never know. The next trade I want to look at is the Ian Kinsler to the Red Sox acquisition. I'm going to break this trade down a little differently for a few reasons. Like I said in the last podcast... Uh, I do work in a couple different capacities in the Red Sox organization. Uh, I'm an intern for one of their minor league teams, as well as doing some minor league scouting for a third-party organization that scouts their minor league. So like I said, Ian Kinsler went to the Red Sox for a pair of minor league pitchers, their names being Ty Buttrey and Williams Harris. Uh, First, just to kind of look at Kinsler, he definitely fits a need for them. Uh, Eduardo Nunez is at best a below average defensive second baseman and his hitting has uh, went back down to earth this year. Brock Holt started off real well but he has since declined and they seem to be dead set on keeping him as a bench player so that they can use him in utility in whatever role they need to. So Ian Kinsler makes sense. He's a very good defensive second baseman. He's you know average hitter roughly it's better than what they have in Eduardo Nunez, and it appears Dustin Pedroia is long from coming back. He's not going to be back this year, so if you get Kinsler on a one-year rental, they can figure out what they are going to do next year, whether that means taking another shot with Pedroia, calling somebody up from the minors, or going into free agency to find a new second baseman. So I like him. I like that acquisition. I think it helps. I also like what they gave up. Don't get me wrong. I am a fan of Ty Buttrey and Williams Harris. I think they're both going to be successful big league players, but... In a system that is relatively weak, relief pitching is a strength of the organization. If we look at Buttrey, he's a guy who's probably going to be a middle relief to low setup kind of guy. Has a plus-plus fastball in the mid-90s. Just below average slider, above average to plus change up with slightly below average command that could improve. I like him. I think he's going to contribute for a long time. Uh, and then Williams Harris is another guy. He was actually a second-round pick as an outfielder. Obviously didn't work out, so he converted to pitching and has definitely improved from there. Good fastball, good solid pitcher. He actually just made his big league debut a few days ago with the Angels. Another guy I think could be a middle relief type guy for a long time. Really athletic. Um, he's going to be able to pitch well for a long time. So I like I like those moves for both teams. I think that will be will definitely help the Angels going forward. Um, but the Red Sox also have a couple guys that I have scouted um, to name two, Travis Lakins and Jordan Weems, that I think could step into their role as the next up pretty easily uh, without much worry. If anything, I think those two might have a little bit higher ceilings. So I'm, I'm happy with that. The next set of moves we're going to look at is the New York Yankees. We're going to look at the Lance Lynn and J.A. Happ acquisitions. Uh, so Lance Lynn went to the Yankees from the Twins in exchange for first base outfield uh, Tyler Austin and minor league right-handed pitcher Luis Rijo. So first to look at Lance Lynn. Lance is 
been a solid player for a while, just above average major league player. Uh, he fits a need, and their pitching is a big need, especially their starting pitching. He's probably going to end up being a long relief guy for them in the playoffs. I don't see him starting many playoff games for the Yankees, uh, but he does still help out, give them some pitching depth depending on what happens. Lynn is in his 30s. He's going to be a free agent in the year. at the end of the year. Everything says rental. I don't believe they'll go out and try to re-sign him, but he does fit in the Like I said, Tyler Austin was one of the players moved in the deal. Most people just know Tyler Austin for the fight he had with Joe Kelly earlier on this year before he got suspended and then demoted. I think Tyler Austin could be a very solid big league player for a long time. He's got a first base kind of corner outfield profile. Probably not good enough to be a major league starting first baseman, but could definitely be a utility guy off the bench, especially if he can develop as an outfielder. Uh, He has elite raw power with definite above average in-game power slightly below average hit tool he's not very fast average in the field average arm probably not going to be a center fielder Uh, definitely can be that left field maybe left field right field kind of corner guy this year in triple a he hit 253 with a 131 wrc plus so definitely an above average hitter hit a lot of home runs 14 in about half a year only 108 plate appearances so That's really solid numbers from him, which should be for a guy who's been up and down from the majors. The second guy traded to the Twins was Luis Rio. He's fine. Nothing special. Nothing I think they're going to be too sad to see go. Kind of middle relief profile. Not going to be a great pitcher. Um, Maybe at best fifth starter on a bad team. Probably more like a swing guy. Not probably going to start a lot of games in the MLB, but you never know. He is still in the low minors, so there's a lot of projection left for him. I'm only 19 years old. So the second trade I said for the Yankees, like I said, was Jay Happ. Uh, he came from the Blue Jays in a, in a trade that sent Brandon Jury and Billy McKinney, uh, infielder, outfielder, to the Blue Jays. Drury, uh, I think the Yankees were just happy to get rid of him, to be totally honest. 25-year-old guy, under team control through 2021, but he's well below average, 60%, in fact, below average MLB player this year. Hasn't hit well at all, isn't great in the field, and they have other guys that can fill that utility role. Obviously, their infield's pretty much set, which was his, his primary position was like second base, third base. And they have Andahar, obviously, at third. A guy in Glaber Torres, who's star on the rise at second, and Didi's not going anywhere at short. So not much room for him. They didn't need him as a backup. They have some other guys that can do that like Neil Walker. So I'm fine with him being let go. Overall, like this trade, Billy McKinney and other guys, probably going to be a below average fourth outfield kind of guy. Can hit for some raw power, maybe even DH for a team like the Blue Jays down the road. Not a great fielder, but can play all, be competent in all three outfield positions. So definitely fourth outfielder DH type of profile. Solid player, but again, probably never going to play with the Yankees if you just look at what they have long-term in their outfield. Doesn't fit, obviously. So I'm happy with this trade. I think the Yankees got a couple of starting pitchers that can really help them. Jay Happ, another rental guy. Both of them are going to help throughout their postseason run, and I don't think they gave up anything. They're going to be too sad about nothing that would have really contributed to the Yankees in the future. So the second to last trade we're going to look at is the Cole Hamels deal. This was interesting to me. Uh, Cole Hamels, obviously, very storied career, and he's been able to continue his above-average play this year. Maybe not quite as good as some years past, but still definitely an above-average player in the MLB. He has a 1.3 war this year, though his ERA is is up there compared to average. Still eating a lot of innings, started all 22 of his games, 
His whip's actually below average. Seems to be getting unlucky a little bit, but he is a nice acquisition for the Cubs. Obviously, the Cubs making a playoff run. He's going to be another rental guy like you saw a lot of a lot of those guys. And same with a lot of the trades this year. Rentals aren't going for much, especially old rentals, guys like that. He went for a pair of right-handed pitchers and Eddie Butler and Raleigh Lacey. Essentially, hate to say it, he got traded for a bag of balls. Neither of these guys are very good. Lacey's a below-average player, 27, not much projection left. Yeah, he's team-controlled through 2022. He's not going to do much. He's going to be a guy that probably ends up getting released at some point when he's because he's out of options. So I think they're totally fine with letting him go. Rolly Lacey's a guy, 23 in A+, not really considered a prospect. Obviously, an advanced day at 23 is definitely not ahead of the curb. He is currently pitched a combined 19 innings between the two. ERA in the fives, not great with the Cubs. He has dropped his ERA a little since joining the Rangers, but nothing special. Only a few games started. He's not throwing very much. He was dominating earlier on in the year in middle A, but, you know, that's a 23-year-old guy in single A. Like, even if he's pitching well, that's not really that impressive, obviously. So, overall, I'm happy with that trade. I got a guy like Cole Hamels. Didn't have to give up much in return. The Rangers, obviously not going anywhere. Took a flyer on a guy like Lacey. Maybe he turns out to be something. Maybe they can get Eddie Butler to turn things around. If not... Cole Hamels is probably walking at the end of the year anyway, so why not try to get what you can for him? Unfortunately, that was all that was available. So the last trade we're going to look at is the Phillies' acquisition of Zdrubal Cabrera. Uh, this is a, another weird one to me. First, we'll just go over the two players. Cabrera, great hitter, not a very good defender. That's been the knock on him his entire career for a middle infielder. Just not very good. I don't know how somebody hasn't tried to move him to first and third, maybe left field profile. Um, but he still has managed to stick pretty much at short and second. He is hitting the cover off the ball so far this year. Batting average only in the 270s, and it has dropped down since he got to the Phillies. But his OPS is 124, so 24 points above average. His career OPS plus is 108, so he has a track record of being a good hitter. And overall, I, I like him as a player. Not really sure how... I like him as a fit, but we'll go over that in a minute. Uh, quickly, the Phillies gave up Franklin Colome. Fangraphs has him ranked as a slightly below average to average big league player at some point. He is only 23 in double A. Pitcher, right-handed, 6'6 guy, long guy. He has plus fastball, plus curveball, below average change up in command. But if they, he could get into the bullpen more, maybe even get a little more in his fastball, get into the high 90s. I think he could be a solid player, maybe a guy that the Phillies wish they didn't give up down the road, especially for his dribble career, but that is yet to be seen, obviously. The Phillies are looking to make a playoff push, so kind of whatever they can do. Having said that, I'm not really sure where Cabrera fits with this team. Assuming J.P. Crawford is able to come back, J.P. is an elite defensive shortstop he's gonna stay there first and third are pretty much clogged with Franco at third San Carlos Santana at first so then you're looking at guys like Scott Kingry who's been a solid player Cesar Hernandez who's probably their best second bit defensive second base option and Cabrera all trying to split time there with two of them on the bench seems like really they traded a, a decent pitching prospect for what's gonna hopefully for them play out to be a bench bat uh, hopefully JP Crawford is able to come back obviously that remains to be seen uh, but overall, I think the Mets won this trade. Colome could end up being something. Cabrera wasn't going to help them. Obviously, they're not really contending right now. Phillies, it remains to be seen if they can make a push. And Cabrera, 
who knows, gets to stick it second and hits the cover off the ball in September and October, they'll they'll love it. So those kind of trades obviously remain to be seen. That'll wrap up the trades. One other note on deadline trades I wanted to just kind of make is observation of the lack of prospects being traded for these rentals. Even a guy like Machado, who we talked about last time, didn't get a great return. If you remember a few years ago, Chapman got a return of the best infield prospect in baseball in Glaber Torres. Torres is now looking like a shining star in his first MLB season. Um, and that was for a, a year, a half year rental where most people were convinced he was headed right back to the Yankees like he did at the end of the year anyway. I think the Cubs were happy with that. They broke their stretch, but MLB teams seem to be smarting, smartening up and not doing that as much. So that's going to wrap up the baseball content for this podcast. I do want to just end with a couple quick notes. Uh, obviously, I hope you are enjoying listening to these first couple episodes. If you do like it, please, please tell a friend. Uh, that means so much to me if you just kind of let some people know in baseball, whether it's in the industry, just friends you have that enjoy the game, whatever, uh, to listen to it. Also, definitely leave a review, subscribe. It is available on pretty much every major podcast platform, so wherever you want to listen to it, I hope you're getting it on the correct spot. Also, definitely follow us on all platforms. Our website is www.touchemallanalytics.com. That is T-O-U-C-H-E-M-A-L-L analytics.com. Twitter is touchemallbb, spelled the same way, like I said. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are both just straight touch em all analytics. Like I said, that is spelled T-O-U-C-H-E-M-A-L-L analytics. Uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments, concerns, something I did that you didn't like or something I'm not doing that you want to hear, um, definitely reach out. I'd love to hear it, whether you want to do that through our social media or our website, or you can also email us at touchemallanalytics at gmail.com, spelled the same way. I will definitely answer any questions you have, both directly to you, and if they're good questions, I'd also love to share them on the podcast. Uh, Also, if you're interested in baseball writing or something a little more in-depth, you definitely should check out our blog. That's right on touchemallanalytics.com. It's currently two different sections, a section done by me called Analytics by the Editor, and then a couple people I know in the baseball industry um, writing a second section of the blog called the Analytics Beat. There's some really good in-depth breakdowns of that. Uh, If you're in the business, you feel you have a good understanding of the business, feel free to let me know, reach out if you'd like to try to do some writing for me. Uh, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. And last but not least, that's just something to look forward to for next time. I'm looking to do a, another podcast the beginning of next week. Uh, we'll look into the MLB scouting scale uh, and how scouting reports are kind of created. Uh, I'll use a lot of my experience through the last summer scouting to kind of give you some insight into that, as well as we'll obviously go through whatever is happening in baseball at the time. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. A swing and a belt. Left field, way back. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run.